You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Father, we thank you for these words from Jesus. Grant us, Lord, so to hear them, to read them, to mark them, and to inwardly digest them in such a way that they become grace-filled activity in our lives, grace-filled behavior marked by your kingdom. We pray this through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Good evening. What a beautiful night. It's the sixth Sunday after Epiphany, which means we're getting closer and closer to Lent. Don't forget about Lent. How could you? It's like that one cousin, that one in-law you never really want to be around, but they're always going to come around with their chosen jello salad, etc. No offense if you make a jello salad. The first time I heard the album, it's Bon Iver. That's how I'm going to say the name of the band with Justin Vernon and friends, and it was their, his self-titled album, Bon Iver. I listened as my friend had it playing in his office, and all I could hear were the drums. And the drums reminded me of something like what would be in Battlestar Galactica, which at the time was a show that I had heard a lot about but never watched and chose to sort of keep, keep a distance from it and make fun of it from a distance. So I went for two years thinking of Bon Iver's self-titled album as really just a Battlestar Galactica soundtrack. And I, w- I refused to take it in. I refused to create emotional space for it in my heart 
and listen, to truly listen to it. Well, one day, I was headed to a retreat on the East Coast from here in Dallas, and my flight got diverted to Miami, and so I had a lot of time on my hands. And I listened to Bon Iver's self-titled album, and as I took it in, the Battlestar Galactica drums washed away, and the significance and the beauty and the, the mood and the tone of that album really set in on me. I tell you that whole long, elaborate, and winsome story to say, don't hear Battlestar Galactica drums in the hard words of Jesus tonight, and then turn a deaf ear. The things that Jesus says to us are difficult to hear, and we'll talk about why in just a minute, but they're like medicine to our souls. They're like what we prayed in the collect. Have you ever noticed that, how the collect of the day, that's that prayer of the day, look at page two in your bulletin. Oftentimes it reflects on what the scriptures say and maybe even what Chris or I preach on. Mercifully, mercifully accept our prayers, O oh God, and because in our weakness we can do nothing good without you. Give us the help of your grace that in keeping your commandments we may please you both in will and deed. And so we have a little, little foretaste of what Jesus is going to talk to us about tonight. Don't miss the entire album. Don't miss the greatness of the songs because you heard something that, that threw you off. And truly, in Jesus' words tonight, we hear things that throw us off. Now remember, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And so we have to take the whole sermon in context of itself correct? And we remember the first words that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount are the Beatitudes or the Blesseds. And we're using in this season Dallas Willard as our guide for the Beatitudes. And remember, what did we say about the Beatitudes? They're not a new meritocracy that if you only do these things and these things and hate life like this and hunger this way and do those things, will you then be blessed? Well, if it's not that, then is it maybe a sort of eschatological thing where if our life is very difficult in a certain way now, then later on we'll be blessed in the kingdom of heaven? No, it's not that either. How we're looking at it through the lens of Dallas Willard is that the Beatitudes show us that Jesus is making himself fully and completely available to all who will hear. Seeing the multitudes, he sees the poor in spirit, the hunger the hungry and thirsty for righteousness. He sees the mourning and the lamenting, and he says to them, and he says to each one of us, blessed are you. We talked about a few weeks ago how we can easily put ourselves on that list of people who are excluded from blessing. I can't be blessed. I deal with this thing or that thing. And we remembered how oftentimes we battle kind of a self-hatred, a self-hatred in a way that that keeps us at a distance from the love and the grace of God. It keeps us from really putting our full reliance, as Willard says, our full reliance on Jesus. And therefore, it keeps us from the resources of his kingdom. It keeps us from that grace. So when we hear his words tonight, we hear them in the context of him saying, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. If you hear my voice and you say yes to me, you are blessed, period. So, some things that we notice offhand 
Jesus keeps mentioning judgment. Wait a minute. Doesn't he say, don't judge? Don't judge me. He does. He says, don't judge lest you be judged. But he mentions a judgment and he can talk about the judgment. Why? It just so happens that he is the judge. He's the truly good one. He's the trustworthy one who can and who will judge. It is not popular. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel warm and fuzzy inside to think about judgment. But Jesus speaks authoritatively. You have heard it said, but I say to you, speaking with divine authority, Jesus says there is a judgment. What, all, what else does Jesus say? So there's this new kingdom he's telling people to repent and come into. And remember our definition for repentance. We're going to keep saying it. Repentance is not behavior modification, but repentance is surrendering to the one who can remake us. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you, Chris. We're just going to keep saying it week after week. Oh, you're getting all those, those Spotify royalties, man. Penny by penny coming your way. <laughs> and this new kingdom that Jesus brings into the midst of these ragged, lost, forgotten Galileans on this hillside by the Sea of Galilee, this new kingdom has an ethic. It has a sort of moral code, and we can see that it's connected to the law. Did you hear Deuteronomy when Lindsay read it earlier? Moses was speaking these beautiful words on a mountainside, overlooking the promised land, knowing he was not going to get to go into the promised land. And Moses is speaking very clear dictates to the people of Israel. Let me just lay it down for you guys real simple like. It's kind of, it's like we might, you might, if you had a teenager or two, you might, how you say, you know, if this happens, then it will go well for you. But if this happens and you frown, that will go poorly for you. And Moses does this. He says, God has delivered you from Egypt. Doggone it. Don't forget. Your fathers forgot. That's why they couldn't go into the land. Now, 40 years later, I can't even go to the land. He may be thinking to himself. But you're going in. And when you go in, choose life. Let it go well with you. Be happy, be blessed, be blameless as you follow the commandments of God. And you notice what he says. He talks about idolatry. Don't pursue after other gods. Because they're real. All right. So this new kingdom has an ethic. It looks like the ethic of the Old Testament. It's important for us to remember that. And this ethic is behavior related. It has something to do with how we interact with each other in community. But, this is a big but, the ethical and moral matters that Jesus is speaking of to us tonight in the Sermon on the Mount are integral in our current culture. And I'm going to pull out three. Ready? We're going to talk about three things. Anger. Just, you have to know that this is so hard to preach because, you know, I might struggle with any number of these things. Anger, lust, and the integrity of your word. That sounds better than lying. <laughs> but think about our culture for just a minute. And I want to, again, I want to quote Chris Myers. 
we were talking earlier about anger and lust and just, man, it's just everywhere. And he said, yeah, you know, we wouldn't be living in the golden age of television if, if it weren't for anger and lust. Because think of all the shows that you love to watch on TV, on Netflix, you know, name your subscription service. It's all based around all of these things. It's in the air. There's a story that David Foster Wallace tells of two young fish over here swimming and an older fish comes up to them and he goes, hey boys, how's the water? And they just kind of look at him in a puzzled manner and the older fish swims off and the younger fish look at each other and they say, what's water? Because the fish, I left out a word. Because the fish are living in the water, they don't know what water is. It's so vital to their being. The culture that we live in that profits truly and literally off of anger, lust, and the integrity of or lack thereof of our word is in the air. We can't not breathe it in. What water? If you think of even the mall, and I have nothing against the mall, so don't hear, me, don't hear what I'm not saying, but the whole idea of buying things, things beyond what we need, is because we lust after it. We long for it. Think of what St. John says. He talks about the love of the world. And he, call, he says three things about the love of the world. He says it's the, bo- the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. I mean, I'm down for the count after one of those, but all three of them? We're, it seems hopeless. Well, let's look to what Jesus says. Now remember, there's this, there's this paradox here because we're already blessed Hey, you angry? Hey, you lustful? Hey, you liar? You're blessed if you hear me. You're blessed if you rely on me. Look at your bulletin real quick. We're just going to look at three things. Anger, lust, and lying. Sounds like a good band name. Page five in your bulletin. You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. You've heard that in the Ten Commandments. In Lent, we say the Ten Commandments at the beginning of every worship service. So Jesus says, you've heard the law. The law says this. But Jesus, and, and, and someone may be thinking to themselves, well, I've been doing pretty dang good. I haven't killed anybody this year, this week, my whole life. Verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. So if we're angry at someone, it's like murder. If we have hatred in our heart, it's like murder. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, the council may be one thing. We may be able to get around the council. We can talk smooth words, you know, grease and palms, whatever. But the hell of fire is a completely different thing. There is a judgment. And Jesus is telling us what this righteousness of the kingdom looks like. He told us in the Beatitudes who is really well off. And and really, it's anyone who hears his voice and, and relies on him. And now he's saying, and those who are well off, here's how you're going to want to live if you live in this new kingdom of heaven. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I yell at people in the car. I mean, and maybe you do too. It doesn't matter. Um, 
but dang it, if this isn't something that I struggle with. Now, yesterday, I, I felt like I stopped them with my hands from hitting me. And so that was like a righteous uh, yell, right? You know, righteous anger. It was very good because they were trying to go to the mall of all places. Huh? That's not a coincidence. So I said, stop. But then I said some unsavory things that I shouldn't have said. And I was, I was praying to God that no one saw me. We deal with this every day. People, somebody was, had their windshield bashed in with a machete on LBJ, which I'm going to be calling the devil's rib cage. If I-35 is the devil's femur, then 635 is his rib cage. really good. That's our Facebook quote of the week, Becky. Um, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> People shooting at each other in cars. I mean, it's terrifying and awful in the things that I do. And so Jesus, in, in telling us the severity of our activity, is inviting us. Can you see that? Hear the album, hear the depth, hear the intricacy, the counterpoint of the music. He's inviting us into something better. He's inviting us into being more fully human. He's inviting us to be these co-heirs with him, these participants in this kingdom where we don't have to be bound by these things. We don't have to be bound by road range. We don't have to be bound in anger to this person and that person. And we hear St. Paul telling this little church in Corinth, man, they, were, they had so many spiritual gifts. They had so many things going on and they were living in this crazy town, Corinth, which was, which was a lot like Vegas. And he says, but listen, guys and girls, I can't speak to you as mature Christians. I have to feed you with little tiny droplets of milk. And this is why, because you're slaves to your flesh, your carnal desires. Man, boy, if I'm, at a, if I'm at a football game and there's a bad call or a basketball game and I feel that elbow in my gut from my sweet wife, I just get so angry. And, and I'm, I'm making light of it and I'm telling you, but I'm saying all this to say these are real and serious things that Jesus is calling us out of and into something better. He's calling us into a righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees. Let's skip down now. So that was anger. That was easy enough. Let's look at lust. Verse 27. You've heard it said. Again, we're going to quote the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, which we'll do at our next public theology in March. Tomorrow night, public theology is the Lord's Prayer. Next month in March at Connie Rosso is the Ten Commandments. You've heard that it said... You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus, speaking undoubtedly to people who may have encountered something like this, says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And most of the people there probably hadn't done so. But then he gets to the spirit of that law. The letter of the law is one thing. And I'm a letter of the law guy. I'll, if you give me a checklist, you give me a competition, you give me a thing to do, I will not do that thing or do it depending on what you want me to do, whatever makes you happiest, because that's another part of my stuff. But Jesus says, it's not enough for you not to commit adultery. You can't look at that person 
and long for them in a way that is not holy. The way to be with someone that is holy is in marriage. This man and this woman together in marriage, just like we see Adam and Eve, just like we see the bride and the church. At the end of all, the, or excuse me, Jesus, the groom, and the bride, the church. You cannot have this. And we, were, we are reminded that every time Israel went after false gods, the gods of their neighbors, the gods of the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Perizzites and the Amorites and yada, yada, yadaites, every time they went after those gods, almost all of those worshiping practices had to do with sex. You had to have sex with this God or the, the temple prostitutes for that God and this God. And you had to appease this God of fertility and that God. And it all came back to how we treated our bodies. And Moses said, when you go into the land, you can choose life and it will go well with you. Or you can choose death and it will not go well with you. And last week, what did we hear? We heard how this guy named Hilkiah found the book of the law in the temple And King Josiah, hearing the words of the law, tore his clothes because the people of Israel had been unfaithful. They had wandered away. Does that mean they were forgotten and banished forever? No. There was grace. There was an invitation to come back. Jesus, though, offers a harsh word. If your right right eye causes it to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life without a hand than to go into hell. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, Jesus isn't telling us to mutilate ourselves. Does everyone understand that? This is a hyperbole, but he's getting his point across that these are serious matters. And guys, do you know why he's telling us this? Because he loves us. Because he wants us to live in our true selves. He wants us to live authentically. One of our values, one of our five values, and I love our values, is authenticity. And being authentic means that we reckon with our crap. We realize that we're angry and we're lustful and that we lie. It doesn't mean that we have this false self that's always smiling and everything's hunky-dory and I'm just great and dandy. That is not real. That is not true. We have to face the darkness within us. We have to reckon with it. And we have to bring it to Jesus. Every day. Every time we get in the car. And it feels like a losing battle. It feels like an uphill battle, but it's not. And we'll come back to that in just a minute, I promise you. So there's lust. There's anger. There's lust. And lastly, the integrity of our word. And I, I have to admit you, admit to you all, and maybe I'm being too self-disclosing, but that's fine. As a people pleaser, this one's hard for me because I want to say yes. I want to be compliant, even though later I may be resentful that I was compliant. So I'm always, see, currently knows. <laughs> We're threes. <laughs> that's an Enneagram thing. Don't worry about it. Um, but so Jesus is speaking to these essential pieces of who we are. Anger, how you think of your fellow man or woman. Lust, how you imagine your body thinking about your fellow man or your woman. And lastly, our word. Because really, at the end of the day, that's, if you think about it, that's a lot, all that we have to go on is, 
Is our yes, yes? Did we do what we say we would do? And is our no, no? Did we not do what we say we would not do? Verse 33, this is page six in your bulletin. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, etc. Do not take an oath by your head. You can't make a hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. And here's the kicker. Anything more than this comes from evil. We are fighting a battle that is being waged all around us. Until our Lord Jesus returns, we will be at war with the spiritual powers in the heavenly places all around us. Yes, demonic forces, the the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, just that stuff in the culture, in the world, and Satan himself. These are all reality. And Jesus says, it doesn't seem like it would be evil or from evil. But he says, if you can't let your yes be yes, if you can't, and I'm, I'm really just basically talking to me and you're listening in. But if you can't draw a boundary and be okay with that, that's not, that's not a great thing. Anything more than that comes from evil. If you can't say no or yes to something, anything more than that comes from evil. Now, remember what we said. Don't, don't get lost in the Battlestar Galactica drums and write off everything that Jesus says. But how do we feel? Think about how you feel right now. You don't have to say it out loud, but just think about it. And How do you feel right now hearing these words of Jesus spoken imperfectly from me? For most of my life, I've sort of been at odds with, with Jesus' words. Because I'm like, well, yeah, that's not really possible, Jesus. Can't really do this. Can't really live this perfectly. But lately, as I've been trying to reckon with my authentic self and my own struggles, I've realized that I'm really glad that I see these things. I'm really glad that I see the desires that I have and the anger that I struggle with and my propensity to want to please people and need their approval. Because I know that I can immediately come to this same Jesus it puts me in a place, quite frankly, of being poor in spirit. And even though we may feel devastation, these realities bring us ultimately consolation. The land that drinks the rain, Hebrew says, and bears fruit is fruitful. So tonight, friends who live in a world filled with anger, Lust and lying in the marketplace, in every sphere of our world. It's in the air we breathe. What air exactly? Realize that Jesus is inviting us into a better way, a more fully human way, and we can say yes to that way, and we can mourn our sins, can't we? That's why we set aside seasons like Lent. It's not to mutilate our flesh, 
but it's to what? It's to mourn our sins, to be penitent for the ways that we fall short, knowing that we're not earning Jesus' love. We're not earning God's love or God's grace. Far be it. We're agreeing with him. That's what confession means. We confess. We say it with him. We're agreeing with him that, yes, we can't do this without you. Yes, we need your help. Yes, change me and transform me. And yes, I am poor in spirit. And Jesus says, then you are blessed. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us, help us, help us. Have mercy on us sinners. Save us. Heavenly King, comforter, spirit of truth, present in all places and filling all things, come and abide in us. Cleanse us of every stain, every stain of anger, every stain of lust, every stain of lying. Cleanse us and save our souls. We pray to you, Lord Jesus, desperately. Amen.